See you there. Welcome to Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You, the podcast that focuses on Christians that are active in everyday life. Join in as we speak to everyone from successful business owners to educators to athletes about their faith and how it helps them reach out and revolutionize those around them to do the same. And now, get ready to roar with your host, the voice of manifestation, John Fuller. Our next speaker, I actually had a chance uh, as he was writing his first book to get connected with him and actually walk through that process with him. Uh, What an amazing uh, individual. I love his ministry. I love his heart, the service that he has uh, for for what he does, and and just the authenticity that he has in, in his work. So he, he bills himself as a devoted father, excuse me, devoted husband, father, entrepreneur, and he's the host of the podcast, Are You Real? His podcast has been in the top five for over a year and hit number one multiple times in the U.S. and U.K., and he's focused on how to live out of a life of purpose. He lives in Vega, Texas with his wife, Casey, and three teenage kids. He um, is locally owns and operates New Life Homes, a full-service stru- constru- full construction company uh, that provides servicing here in the Panhandle. So let's welcome John Fuller. I think next time I'll make that a little shorter for you so you don't, <laughs> so you don't get stumped. All right. As you know, I'm going to introduce myself a second time. Um, I recently just came out with a book. I just wrote my second book called Speaking God's Frequency. And what the book is about, I'm really actually extremely excited about this book. Kind of a big deal for me was is I got three or four best-selling authors. Has anybody watched the movie The Shack uh, or read the book? Uh, Paul Young uh, wrote in my book. I got Brian Head Welch from Corn. Um, Ryan Lestrange, multiple guys. I got about 10 guys all contributed to this book. I got two copies. Would anybody like a copy? (laughs) How am I supposed to do this? Okay, wait. Closest birthday. March 2nd. Who said March 2nd? December is out. Oh, you know what? We'll go backwards. I like that. I I had to do it. I had to do that. I, I I got more out there. Okay. So, quick question. Something really hit me earlier, before I even want to start, I want to recognize something, and I want to recognize youth, because this got me really excited. I met Joshua earlier. Was that you? I met Joshua. And when I asked him, I actually thought he was in college, and I said, I was just curious, I said, how old are you, or what grade are you? And I thought he was going to tell me he was a freshman, sophomore in college, and he said, I'm in high school. And that really got me excited, because I just want to tell you guys, who here is under the age of 25, by chance? You got a whole group back there. That is awesome. I just want to tell you guys, I've listened, I've listened to a lot of the speakers, and especially if you're under 30, I've listened to a lot of speakers today. There's a lot of wisdom that's been spoken that have taken some of us 15, 20 years to fall flat on our face and grind out, and I mean painful ways. And when I was young, I wasn't like you guys. I was too stupid. And I thought that I knew everything, right? I have three teenagers. I think they know everything. I thought I was that person. I thought I could figure it out, and I thought I'd reinvent the wheel. And the truth is, there's a lot of us, there's a lot of wisdom in this room that you guys can learn from to not make the mistakes that we've made. So I just encourage you guys, pay attention, take good notes. This is my amazing family. My wife is in the back. She always comes and supports me. 
Uh, I've been married. This is an accomplishment for me. We got married very early. I've been married for over 20 years. And I should say my wife has put up with me for over 20 years. And I want to say this as a quick note. It's not like you, just, you have to be intentional. So, you know, we're talking about intentionality and goal setting. been very intentional about staying married. So uh, I've got three amazing kids that I'm very proud of. Uh, as I spoke before, my wife and I own New Life Homes. We're locally here in town. Do hundreds, if not thousands, of bathrooms, kitchen remodels. The first book that I wrote, uh, Jody helped me with the process of getting it out of my brain. And I compare a lot of life's analogy to actually remodeling your life. So, all right. This is the podcast we are talking about. I've had the honor of interviewing people from all over the world. Mark Batterson, uh, Paul Young from The Shack, Ken Harris. If you guys are familiar with, uh, uh, what is not Passion. Uh, interview uh, Passion, Jesus Culture, uh, just tons of hundreds of people from all over the world talking about their personal journey of kind of why they stepped into what they do and what their faith is about and how it's inspired them to make change in culture. So today I'm going to talk to you about seven things. Finding your authentic voice. It's a process and we're going to walk through it. I'll give you, for those of you that are good note takers like my wife, you got seven. All right. December 1st, 1955, Rosa Parks finds her voice on a bus. Many would say that day that she gave up her seat to a white person because she was tired. She said that wasn't the case. What she was tired of is she was tired of the injustice that she had seen over and over and over. She stood there and made a choice because she knew how hard it was against cultural society at the time. And she had a choice to stand up and say something when nobody else wanted to. So what most don't know is Rosa was raised by her grandparents. Her mom and dad left at a young age. Her dad did. And she was raised by her grandparents. But both her grandparents had been slaves. So she had not just experienced, but she felt and had seen the pain of what slavery had brought to her family. So she knew firsthand. It was personal. It was deep. And that's why she stood up. She had a choice to stand up what she believed in, or she had a choice to go with, quote unquote, what we see every day is the cultural norm. You can look around you at work everywhere. People, well, that's what everyone else does. That's what everyone else is doing. It must be okay. But my question is, is it? Is it okay? What I love about Rosa is she wasn't looking to be the next YouTube or Instagram or InstaFamous, whatever. That wasn't, she didn't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to be a social rights activist. That's what I'm going to do. No, she didn't wake up and think that. She decided to come from her core of who she was, what she believed in. And because of that, she made a mark. A mark that will forever change us in culture. But Rosa, not just that, she lived from the core of who she was and what she believed in. And just like you and I 
and everyone else around you. She went to work. What did she want to do? She wanted to be loved. She wanted to go to work and be just like everybody else. Two, you got to be okay with failure. So when Rosa went to on that bus that day, do you think she counted the cost? I'd say she did it. Let me tell you the cost. Lives were endangered. Houses were burned, bombed, and lives were destroyed because of the decision to stand up and make a decision from her core. So let me ask you guys a couple questions. I want you to write these down, seriously, because I want you to think about these when you get home. What do you believe in? What do you stand for? And how far are you willing to go for what you believe in? I'm willing to bet most of you, like myself, sit back. This has been several years. You're going to sit back and say, well, crap. I've never even thought about it. I have no idea. What do you stand for? What is so deep inside of you that just makes you angry? You think Rosa Parks was angry? Heck yeah! If I'm just like picturing her sitting, seeing her sitting in the bus, her standing up and being like, Hell no, I ain't getting up. Right? Because it was deep. Somewhere deep down inside of you, you got to find that voice because it's in you. And it's screaming to be heard. Right? It's, it's deep. But you got to find it and you have to ask the right questions. So think about this. When I read the Gospels... And I read about the disciples and Jesus. Now, this isn't a talk about religion or politics or any of that stuff. Just from a non-biased standpoint, think about this, okay? Twelve guys decide to follow a guy that says he's God. I'm sorry, but even now, that today just sounds crazy. Am I right? Sounds crazy. Okay, so let's just take it a step further. Then they decide... Well, we're going to follow them for three years. And because of that, they end up seeing miracles and life change, and they see all these things happen, right? But there was a cost. Think about this. The disciples were so, his followers were so bought in on the mission that they were stoned to death, beaten to death, some exiled, and persecuted. Okay, that's just the facts. You guys have to decide, is what I believe in so deep, am I willing to buy in and I'm willing to go for it? No matter what anybody else around me thinks, no matter how I feel, let me tell you why. Because there's going to be a day when your peers and your workers and your friends, they're going to stand around you and they're going to say, you're crazy. They're not going to buy in on your dream. They're not going to buy on your goal. And you're going to feel like that one person sitting there all by yourself. And you got to dig deep and decide, do I believe in what I'm actually doing? Because that's going to be your buy-in. And I thought it was funny, as Jody said earlier, and I've used it as a, a phrase in my life for years. Now you're talking about the gold and the Cortez's. you got to burn the ship. 
There has got to be a place in your life, a turning point that says, I'm willing to burn the ship and take charge and go for it. Three, define your end game. What do you want to be remembered for? This actually isn't in my notes, but I want to, and, and I, as I'm talking and just thinking about this, you know, a lot of times I think we have quote unquote success is supposed to look like a certain thing. Here's the thing. I've interviewed a lot of people and I've met a lot of successful people from all ranges that have made millions, hundreds of millions, um, because that's culturally as a society, we rate success as financial. I would say I'm not buying in on it anymore. Because that's not success. I've met a lot of successful, quote, wealthy people. Success to me looks like having a good marriage, having good kids, loving people well, as she talked about earlier. That's success. That needs to be the buy-in. Because when you have a good marriage and kids and, and, you're, and you're bought in on people, all of a sudden, success just comes to you. Because it's a byproduct of who you are at the core. It's an overflow of your heart. And it just happens. But if you chase money, it will flee as quick as it comes into your pocket, I promise. I've made and lost a lot of money when I was young. Quicker than I could, I'd, I'd make a bunch and it'd be gone the next day because I didn't understand that principle. That was a side note. <laughs> so you all want to be remembered for something. For some of you, it's going to be being a great mom. Raising great kids. Maybe it's inventing the next life-changing invention like electricity or cars or something like that. Maybe it's government policy and helping change nations. Maybe it's being a great dad because you didn't have one. Whatever it is, you need to start asking your, yourself the question and dig deep. What is it? What do I want to be remembered for? Where do I want to leave my mark? For me, it's simple. It took me a lot of years to figure this out. And I was telling um, Mike back when we were all eating, I was driving down the road one day, I was doing a company mission statement, and I'm driving down the road and I keep a notebook to me, uh, next to me because I have thoughts all the time and I just write stuff down, obviously not while I'm driving, right? And I wrote it down and it said, I thought, what do I do? Because I'd gotten to a place in my construction company where I was tired of just doing the same thing over and over and over. I just, I'd kind of lost that drive. And it hit me and I thought, I add value and I enhance the quality of life to everyone around me. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's what I do. Whether I'm helping my subcontractors or people work for me or I'm in the workplace or it's my wife or it's my kid, I want to enhance the quality of life to everybody around me. And all of a sudden, work became fun again because I was no longer working to go build a custom home or remodel a bathroom. I was doing it because I was enhancing their quality of life, maybe for their spouses or their kids or something. But work now had meaning. See, when you go to work and you're working from a place of meaning, then all of a sudden when you have those bad days or you got a bad boss or somebody's not doing their job right, all of a sudden they become really minute. And it's not as big a deal as you think it is. So I want to share with you one time talking about core values. And several years ago, I did uh, work for a guy who I went to church with. 
And um, he changed the project up on us in the middle of the project and added a bunch of work. And we told him it'd be about $1,500. When we get to the end, and uh, he says, well, I'm not going to pay you. Now, mind you, $1,500 now, I'd probably cry a little bit and I'd just move on. $1,500 then was like three weeks of a paycheck and I was like freaking out. And I asked the guy, I said, how can you do that? I'm like, how is that right? And he very sternly said, business is business, church is church. And I'm like, what? Can you say that? What am I missing? Like, but he believed that. That's who he was. That was his core value. He had separated the two. Now, I would like to tell you that what I was thinking was, well, praise Jesus, brother. I love you. It's okay. (laughs) Hell no. I was like, I'm about to beat your know what. And then after I'm done, I'm going to lay hands on you and say, Jesus, heal him. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. But the truth is I walked away. And I walked away because I had to make a decision. And in all honesty, I was thinking, do we have enough money for Casey to come bail me out of jail after I pummel this guy? We don't. Okay. Thank you. I'm out of here. (laughs) But it was a decision. You know, as I was writing this, I was thinking about the, the place that you dip chocolate in, the fondue place that you go to. You know, core values and people are a lot like that. You can dip anything in chocolate, but once you bite into it, you really, that's when you find out what it really tastes like and who people are. All right, number four, go all in. So about three years ago, I was trying to find, quote, my thing, and that's where the podcast started kind of coming from. But to find your thing, I want to encourage you guys. I did things like I got a strength finders book. I took a disc test. Um, Jody and I have had many conversations on this and ended up becoming my first book. And I started thinking about things that I like and started finding underlining themes of things that I did and that I enjoy doing. And what I realized is I love to speak. As nervous as I get, seeing faces, you get nervous. I notice I love doing it because in my mind, I, used, I, I would think I could change one person's life. Like one person could leave today and be inspired to go make a mark. That excites me. But the thing is, it's not what I do for a living. I build homes. So it's not like I can go out every day. So I thought, what does that look like? How could I do it? And this thought came to my mind, we'll do a podcast. I'm like, well, what the heck is a podcast? So I start looking at it and you start doing research and I start doing all these different types of things to figure out what it was and I did what I do best. I figured it out. So whatever it is you think you might like, I encourage you, find mentors. I found, uh, I talked to people, I joined online groups, I read books, anything and everything I could, I absorbed it. And then this is where the rubber hits the road. You gotta do it. So a good friend of mine, AJ, said, I was real nervous. I had all my shows. I did all my work. got everything ready. I recorded five shows. And he's like, now you just got to ship it. Just do it. And I'm like, yeah, but this and but that. And he said, just ship it. And I love what he said. He said, one day you're going to look back and you're going to say, wow, that sucked. That was terrible. And was he right? Absolutely. But I'm 160 shows down the road. And I've done a lot of shows since then. And I can look back and I can only say I've only gotten better because I stepped out and I just did it. The coolest part about it is, is when you go down that journey, you don't realize because of that, 
I've literally made lifelong friends. I've met rock stars, best-selling authors, people from all over the world that are impacting culture, all because I made a choice to step out and just do it. And what's cool thing is, I didn't tell you guys, I, the average podcast gets like, I think it's 250 or 300 downloads a month. And because of that, and be staying consistent with that, it's been three years and we've had almost 2 million downloads. <laughs> okay, don't let others define you. So part of stepping out is going to be taking criticism. So the most criticism I ever think that I took on my podcast so far is when I interviewed Paul Young from The Shack. I actually thought people were going to be like, woohoo, that's awesome. That was not the case. I got hate mail, emails. I had friends text me, people text me and said, I can't believe you had him on your show. He is blasphemy. He's a heretic. It was demonic. I mean, on and on and on. And I finally thought, you know what? I think you have a religious broom up your butt and you just need to relax. And I didn't care. And honestly, the more criticism that I got, the more excited I got. I thought, is there more people like him that I can just piss everybody off? <laughs> I mean, it was really kind of exciting, to be honest. And I felt like I hadn't even scratched the surface. But here's the thing. There is people in your lives, you do have to listen to criticism. So, for example, on, on my podcast, one of the things that I got was uh, somebody um, had wrote, we, uh, we do uh, rate and reviews every week. We ask for them at the end of our show. And we have about 300 on iTunes. And one of the people said, uh, loved the guest, but hated John. Uh, and I was like, oh, cool, thanks. <laughs> and um, what they didn't like was, is the fact that I was having a conversation with somebody. And as we were conversing, they would say something, and it would just spark my brain, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, that happened in my life, too. And we started going back and forth. Well, their complaint was, is every time they said they did something, that I said I did something, and I brought it back to my life, so the show was about me, and yada, yada. And, and I listened to that, and I thought, you know, I kind of, I do that maybe a little too much. But I took the criticism, and I had a choice. I could say, okay, I could either get really upset, or I could take the criticism and become a better person. I wanted to become better. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't read that review and be like, woohoo, that was awesome. Thank you so much for that. No, I'll be honest. It actually pissed me off at first. And that took it personal. And I was like, that's not true. And then I was like, oh, well, maybe it is. Yeah, I guess I did do that. Right? We all do that. But you have to take criticism and you have to look at it and say, how can I become a better person and still have a smile on your face after you take it. All right. Six, learn quick and adapt. So way back in the day, I played college football. And as you can see, I wear glasses, and I wore glasses back then. I'll never forget the very first time we found out I needed glasses. My mom took me to get glasses. Now, we were too poor to afford contacts, and uh, my mom let me pick out my first pair of glasses. What she didn't do was tell my dad how much they cost. So this is like 25 years ago, and back then they were like $300. So I don't know what that equates to now, but I'm assuming it's a lot. And my dad about had a heart attack. But when I played football, I couldn't wear contacts, 
And when I would go out for a pass, the football looked like a fuzzball. And I had to adapt in really quick. Because if I was going to play ball and go to college, I was going to have to figure that out. And not just that, when I ran the ball, I remember sometimes the coaches would ask me, they're like, hey, what number was that on the line? I have no idea. I couldn't see his jersey. I have no idea. It's just a blur. But the thing is, there's many of you that have, maybe in your mind, you think you have a disadvantage. And you let it limit your thoughts, and you think, well, I can't do this because whatever. Right? We all do it. All of us. The thing is, is you have to get past that. You have to realize everybody has a disadvantage of some sort, whatever it is. But this is the thing that I love about it. If you will figure out your disadvantage, you're going to have something else that nothing, nobody else, in, uh, competition-wise, nobody else is going to have it. You know what it is? It's your goal. It's your dream. They can't take that from you. When you dig in and you, you buy deep and you realize, I can do this and I can overcome this, all of a sudden... What do you end up doing? You end up working harder than everybody else around you. You know, one thing, um, obviously, I'm not very big. I'm 5'5". Five five. I've always been, when I played football, I was always the shortest guy on the football team. Always. When I got to college, I looked like a midget. I mean, everybody was huge. But this is the one thing I told myself. I will outwork everybody on this field. I will show up early. I will stay late. If I have to hit the gym twice a day, I'll hit the gym twice a day. I could literally outlift every single lineman on my college football team, but two guys, and they were both over 300 pounds. Because I knew I had a disadvantage and I had to make up for it, but I didn't let anybody outwork me. And that's sometimes what you got to do. All right, make it a habit. So we all have habits, right? Some good. And some of us a lot bad. If you ask my family, uh, we showed up to work this morning to write payroll checks. And sometimes I have a sweet tooth. My wife has a bag of chocolates down. And it was a conversation we had on the way over here. I, or we got to the work and I said, honey, um, you know that bag of chocolates you have down there? Well, I, I kind of ate some of them. And she's like, did you eat all of them? No. She said, is there more than one left? Yes. We got to the office and there was two left. <laughs> and I did that on purpose because I knew she was going to ask me if there was more than one. So I left two. I did it. But here's the thing, guys. Make your habits count. I've consistently worked out for over 25 years. I've made that a habit in my life. I enjoy doing it because it makes me feel good. Plus, I want to look sexy for my wife. At least I hope. <laughs> and the thing is, is you just got to find a habit and you need to stick with it because long term pays off and you just got to keep doing it over and over. One thing that I've never been really open about, but when I was younger is I really struggled because of the way I grew up. I really struggled with self-worth. I always doubted myself, never thought I was good enough. I beat myself down constantly and constantly. But when I realized that, I made a decision. And what I would do is I, would, I constantly read books. Like Jody talked about reading a book a, um, a month or a week. I, I've read hundreds of books. 
And what I would do is I would feed myself constantly. I tell my kids this all the time. Music and social media and all the things we do, it is no different than food, okay? I'm not trying to be graphic, but when you eat, it's got to come out, right? Social media, what you read and what you listen to has to come out. And I made a choice. I constantly feed myself with good stuff. And I changed my mind. I made a decision. I was going to read books. I pray. And then most importantly, I reminded myself every day that I am God's child and I am loved. Because a lot of us don't realize that we are loved and we beat ourselves up constantly and don't tell ourselves that. And it's important. And here's a, one that I wrote in my notes. As I said, you have to remember whose you are. Because if you don't, Society and social media, they will tell you who you are and they will feed you a lie. And you will buy that lie if you don't figure out who you are before they try to give it to you. I want to leave you with this. You have value. You have a voice. Every single person in this room has a voice. It's deep inside of you, I promise. And it is screaming to get out. It's powerful And your voice has the ability to change lives of everybody around you. Your voice is like a fire. You can share it with others and keep them warm in a cold world, or you can use it to burn their house down. I encourage you to keep others warm. Find your voice. That's all for this episode of Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You. Be sure to go to areyoureal.org for your free questionnaire to identify your gifts and talents and how you can use them to help people become leaders and catapult them into their destiny to help others become the leaders of tomorrow. We appreciate you spending your time with us and look forward to helping you reach out and revolutionize next time on Are You Real? Finding the Authentic You.